you, know, you only live once. So it's like, do whatever you want right now. Or you only live once, really anchor to that purpose, delay that instant gratification, honor what's important long-term. Welcome to the Path Podcast. I'm Mike Salemi. I believe that uncharted trails make the best life stories. So take a deep breath, put one foot in front of the other, and trust the ground under your feet. Join me in discussions on health, performance, business, leadership, and spiritual self-mastery because these topics are windows into how well each of us have learned to trust our own path. Let's go. This is a Soul Fire production. Today in the Salemi house, we got my man, Ben White. Ben is someone who I've had the pleasure of getting to know more closely just in this last year. And he has attended two of the Men of Movement retreats. Uh, Lauren and I have also been to Costa Rica to attend one of his yoga retreats, been a part of his yoga teacher training and life alchemy program. And we've just been boys. So I've got to spend a lot of time with Ben in this last year. And as you'll hear from him in a very honest vulnerable, courageous way. This last year has been pretty wild. He's really been called to step up. And I really appreciate his level of honesty and and how he shows up in life and in my friendship with him. He's someone who is hard to put a label on or a title on. And let me just say, as human beings, I really have some part of me has some internal resistance to titles because I feel like we are so much more than two or three words on a sheet of paper. And when Ben teaches specifically his movement practice and his yoga, man, it is just this beautiful symphony of dance, of music, primal movement, breath work, yoga. And it's so cool getting to experience that. And what I really have felt from his teachings is that he really fosters what I would just call a, a school of creativity. And in today's podcast, you're really going to get to learn more about him as a person and what's really brought him to the work that he does today, but also how can we foster more creativity in life? How can we foster more internal freedom? How can we get past the stories that are governing the things in our life and start seeing them as more blessings and teachings so that we can move forward? You're really going to get to learn about what are some of the things that people resist and struggle with as it relates to tapping into that creative aspect of themselves. And this was such a fun conversation. I can't wait for you to listen and learn from Ben. So get ready. We're going to hop right into the path podcast with ben white you know that first men of movement retreat was a year ago and like i think when like when someone and i'm speaking for myself but also how i've observed and experienced you when you are on your path or when you are motivated with purpose and responsibility etc like a lot of life can happen And it's so wild to think where I was a year ago, where you were a year ago, you're also about to have another, uh, another baby (laughs) or not you, but Tosh, uh, (laughs) but man, so I'm just curious, just starting off from first retreat to now this, what are some of the biggest, maybe one or two changes that you've noticed within your life? I know that's a big question, but I'm just curious what sticks out with you the most. Yeah, I think that this has probably been one of the, the biggest growth years of my entire life, um, to be honest, in, in, in every capacity. I was uh, still very, very selfish in a lot of ways over, you know, throughout my entire life. And I feel like this last year has really shown like the depths of um, the fuckery that I had going on and uh, the wake 
in which um, that affected everybody else in my life. And it's funny as you talk about purpose, I feel like I've oftentimes in my life kind of ran away from like mm. responsibility because I was, I don't know, scared or just like the, the gravity of, of life really. You know, I feel like there's this, been this huge, maybe it's a personal expectation that I put on myself um, because I know what I'm capable of doing, the impact that I can make on the world. And I feel like I've really tried to like run and hide from that at different times in my life through drugs, sex, whatever. And really realizing that all of that is not sustainable. Mm. And like the, the family love, you know, coming home and seeing my babies, the relationships that I have with my kids, with my partner, like real true communication and fuck, I mean, trust probably for the first time, mm. you know, in my life, it's been so massive. You know? And so the amount of things that I'm able to accomplish now is exponentially greater than what it was before. You know, I've been a fairly high output person throughout most of my life. And even in like, you know, through addiction and stuff like that, I was still able to perform on multiple levels, but never to the capacity that I am now. You know, and never with the same level of like respect and care and consideration for the people that I love. It was always like an instant gratification kind of thing, you know, and just like, it's kind of like the, you only live once, you know? So it's like, there's two sides of that. I think we talked about that in training was like, you, know, you only live once. So it's like, do whatever you want right now, or you only live once really anchored to that purpose, delay that instant gratification to honor what's important long-term. You know, hearing you say that one of the things that comes up is uh, we're both students and, and, you know, Paul, Paul Check's been a huge teacher for both of us in yeah. some way, shape or form. And one of the things that he says is the optimal decision is one that not only is obviously beneficial and worthwhile for you, but also considers everyone on your dream team. Totally. So the people closest to you, those people who you know, or I know will bat for me and show up for me. Yeah. And, you know, the suboptimal decision might be something where it works for us, but doesn't necessarily isn't considerate. So now I'm curious if you can expand a little more, you making these more optimal decisions, not just for yourself, but for, for Tosh, for your kids, for the business you guys want to create. How has that changed and evolved even more the family dynamic? There's so much more flow mm. involved with it now, you know, <laughs> where it's not forced. It's like, you know, when suboptimal choices like, okay, this is what I want to do. And I'm not really looking at, you know, the effect that it has on others, you know, my family. Um, there's a lot of like trying to force it to, to work, you know, trying to like push it in there. And then like the lack of understanding or whatever, you know, that may be perceived on my end from the other people that are involved because they're not seeing it from my point of view, because it was a very like selfish, you know, kind of standpoint um, where now for me, the self-serving piece is to have balance and flow throughout my entire family. You know, that's really what I'm striving to do. And it's by no means perfect. Um, but the conversations that I'm able to have with, you know, my family, with Tosh, with my kids, um, are so, so much more from a clear grounded space that I think that things are really truly actually felt and heard mm. and understood where it was like trying to force that before and there, you're never going to get it where it needs to go by forcing it that way. And so I feel like the flow of everything now is just so much smoother. And so there's a, even though the output's much higher, 
there's a lot less effort to a certain degree that comes into it. Maybe being more efficient and not just how you're operating at a business level, but the efficiency of the relationship. Yeah. You know, I've really noticed that with Lauren and I, and also where I think like any relationship communication is communication, which, which includes trust, integrity, all that sort of stuff. But communication, I think is something that every single person on this planet is continually working on continually improving or, or at least that's what I've observed in my life. And like the, I love what you were saying about the flow. And when we are in sync, things just flow. Even if we have a difference of opinion, even if we see things completely different or we're pulled in 10 different directions with our day, when we are able to communicate from that grounded place that, you know, maybe more receptive place or whatever it is, uh, it just changes the whole dynamic, not just in the relationship, but because like our ladies mean so much to me and our families mean so much to us that like everything else is affected as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's just, I think we talked about that recently on uh, the last call that we had about like the energy leaks. Oh yeah. You know? And it's just like, there's not nearly the same level of energy leaks. Cause then it's like that with that little leak of energy can just completely spiral something into a completely different direction, the conversation or whatever. And then we get so far away from like, like actually being heard or communicating what it is that we really mean, what we really feel. Uh, and it's just like a rabbit hole that's, you know, useless. And then it's like, it may take an hour or a day or a week to get back to like the root of what it is that we were even talking about and to find that flow again. So as we kind of patched up a lot of that and get a lot more clean and clear on the communication that we have together, especially like me and Tosh, um, again, like the efficiency factor is it's night and day different. Man, that's so spot on. Yeah. On that energy leak piece. Like I've even noticed it, it, what, what, when that really came up into my awareness was, uh, just little house projects. And I had this sink that was not working and I'd been meaning to fix it for like, I don't even know, maybe six to nine months. We yeah. couldn't use that sink, but every single time I would walk by that room, my attention. And then, I, and then also the inner critic, like, fuck, I know that thing is there and it's pulling me away. And so, uh, these energy leaks in relationship or in different, you know, responsibilities that we have that we know are there. But for whatever reason, we are not addressing them, pull us, our, our attention, our intention, everything away from really, I think what would ultimately move us forward. Yeah. It's like, just do the fucking dishes when the dishes are there. <laughs> it's like, you know, doing the dishes might suck, but they don't suck nearly as like, it sucks way worse when they've sat there for a while and everything's crusted on there and you walk by and you're like, fuck, I don't want to do the dishes. Fuck, I don't want to do the dishes. And it's just like, just did the dish when you were done with it. Just be the guy. Yeah. Just be the guy. Clean it up. <laughs> yeah. With everything, just keep it clean. Well, dude, you know, you were talking about flow in relationship and how you guys are more efficient. One of the things, uh, and I want to kind of transition now, one of the things that I first or not first noticed, cause I, I had met you first at the retreat, but when I first took one of your yoga classes, which is so dope if anybody has the opportunity to take a class uh with ben or also his his wife tosh two amazing amazing practitioners and teachers of yoga and when lauren and i first did a class i was like this is so different it is like ceremony mixed with music which was intuitive primal movements it's all sorts of stuff and it's flow based and uh you know i've taken uh, and and been a part of uh, a good majority of one of your teacher trainings so i've really got to see more and more of your perspective and how you lead that and one of the things that i'm really curious about is this creative movement piece because i really feel 
from my experience and my observation of you, like this is something that you just embody. And so how do you, let's start off with this, man. Like when did this start and, and how do you view movement in general? Well, I appreciate you saying that. So, I mean, just sharing that type of experience is like an expression of my soul. So it's like one of my favorite things to do. So, um, yeah, I love that you enjoy it. (laughs) Um, I mean, where it started for me was, I mean, I've always been a mover and like an athlete. I had some injuries early, like sixth, seventh grade, I had like my foot reconstructed. And so like normal kind of sports as far as football and things like that, like weren't really in the cards for me, just with, from an agility perspective and the injury that I had. So I started, I started rollerblading like skate parks and stuff like that really early. And that was like probably my first love. And so that type of extreme sport really offered a unique perspective on like style and creativity. And you see like, if you watch like certain surfers or skateboarders and stuff like that, there's like a style that, you know, the ones that are great, like you can't, you can try to like replicate, you can try to mimic, but you just either have it or you don't. Right. And so there's like a uniqueness to that expression that I felt was always just kind of ingrained from such an early age. Um, in my experience, uh, being in like a, a rollerblader, which is, you know, old nineties type shit, right. <laughs> um, still, you know, it's still alive. It's just underground a little bit more. But, um, so for me, that kind of, um, expression was really where like kind of the creativity and like the, the uniqueness factor kind of came into play. I was a competitive cheerleader for a lot of years. No shit. Yeah. Wow. So I did okay. that, which was cool. And I've always loved to, to dance and to move in that way. And so, you know, dance is a very similar thing, right? You can try to copy somebody's dance or whatever. Like you see that nowadays with kids, it's just like, what's the new dance that everybody just does versus that like unique expression of your soul through like movement and music, you know? So the expressive creativity through like uh, aggressive sports or like, you know, extreme sports. And then my love for dance is just kind of something that always just wove nicely into like that human movement cycle. I was a personal trainer for many years. I've been doing that since I was 18. So my understanding of the human body and just like the dynamics of that combined with like the, the creativity and movement through like dance and such um, really just kind of led to like a unique sort of style and expression of movement, especially with your music and such. When you, that's fascinating. First, I didn't know a lot of that, which <laughs> yeah. is super cool to learn. And also I'm curious, when did you start getting into yoga and how has your let's just say your originality or your unique take, how has it been, maybe how was it received in the early days and how has it been received now? Yeah, so I started yoga maybe when I first met Natasha. So when I started going to classes, that was probably 12 years ago or so. I enjoyed it. Uh, I was always kind of knew that it was something that I wanted to teach. Wasn't sure when that was going to happen. I was still like corporate gym world, like running clubs, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I'd always had like kind of a calling for it. And then one thing led another, I was working for a lifetime fitness. Um, we were starting to run, um, wild feather medicinals and I actually got fired for uh, selling some tooth powder and some fire cider, <laughs> you know, which was great. Cause that kind of get pushed me out of the corporate gym world where I was wanting to get in to start teaching some yoga. And, um, I remember I was just like the studio I was going to at the time, uh, the owner there, Scott, like he'd always said like, yeah, whenever you're ready, you know, and I just, I hadn't done a teacher training anything like that. I had taught little pieces of classes and such. And then I remember like transitioning out. I got fired from lifetime. I hit him up like, Hey, I'm ready to teach some yoga. And <laughs> he's just like, all right, great. So I got a, you know, I need a sub on Monday night. Oh, she'd been running that class for like over a decade. 
It's like my first yoga class was like 55 people. Wow. Just busy class. And, Holy shit. You know, and I like had a, an understanding of how to like operate a class, but no like formal yoga training. And so from there, it was just, there's a certain buzz in that kind of setting that for me, I thought was just really, really cool. Um, so that like kind of sparked my desire to want to do more of it and just create like this overall experience. Cause in the personal training realm, it's like, you know, you're doing a workout and you're working with clients, even in like holistic life coaching stuff, there's some beautiful pieces to that, but the creating a yoga class, like the overall hmm. whole experience of it is something else. There's like some like real big magic to it. So I always knew that I wanted to to do something a little bit different. I've always been kind of outside the box type of guy, mm-hmm. you know, obviously like rollerblading and doing shit like that. And, <laughs> you know, so um, it was interesting because I started teaching the parallels between dance, the training world that I have been in, the, the understanding of the human movement, and then just like the musical experience of creating an entire kind of thing. It just was like this weird flow state for me that I was just like in, I don't know, it was just such a really cool, unique, one of a kind experience every single time. And so I was really just, and I know like formal training, nobody told me that I had to do it this way or had to do it that way. So I really like just opened up the lines of creativity, whatever came up for me in that setting, I would run with, you know, I never, ever planned any classes. It was always just like, Hey, I'm wow. feel what's going on, feel the room, each person in it the heat, the sweat, all of it. And then begin to create from that like magical space. Um, when I did do my teacher training, uh, with a buddy, Buck Lewis, a good dude, I felt like my teaching really kind of got put into a box in the yoga world, like teacher trainings and such, there's different styles of yoga, you know, like Ashtanga or Baptiste, whatever it might be. It's like, you're like, you do a teacher training and then you're that style of yoga teacher typically, you know? So for me, it was like memorization for a test, mm. you know, like you're supposed to do it this way. It starts with these kind of poses. It goes into these poses. And then at the end of it, you have a class and there's a beginning and a middle and an end. There may be some little variants in there, but I mean, you can go to studios all over and find like a Baptiste yoga, you know, yoga style teacher and pretty much know what they're going to do, you know? Mm. So when I got out of training, I felt like my teaching was in a box, you know, it was like, I'm supposed to do it this way. It killed all of like the passion and like that, the magic moment of it. You know, for me, it was like to be able to create like on the fly. And I felt like I was just really kind of rigid in that. And it wasn't energizing. Mm. You know, it was like, this is kind of draining. So being somebody that always wanted to do my own thing, my own way, I kind of stopped taking people's classes for a while. There's a number of years where I didn't really want to go into anybody's class. I didn't want to like, I didn't want to have any influence around how I should teach from anybody else. So I just like committed to, to learning my own style and to really creating something that was unique and an expression that like only I could create. You know, it was just from like my soul that wasn't influenced necessarily by anybody else. Of course, we're going to draw influence from different people that we meet, teachers that we have. But from a a yoga perspective, I didn't like the rigidity in it. Mm. You know, I didn't like the, you have to do it like this. I just ran with it. That's kind of how I created the style that I teach now. Well, it's interesting because there's a few things that came up when you were sharing. And one of the first things is how I've experienced your classes and Mm. just your teacher training. It's legit in experience above all. So it's like, for me, 
the word I would use is like, it's really like ceremony. And so, you know, there's so much creativity, invitation, there's breath work, there's primal movement. Like you combine so many different things. But what's so interesting is like, it's literally like a song, like there's a buildup and there's a climax and then there's a lowering. And then it's really such a special experience. And one of the things that I can feel too, is when I take a class from you, like I can feel you having fun and you're having a fucking blast. Like you're in it with us. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, I don't have too much experience with yoga prior to you. I've, I've done some bunch of Bikram in, in college and stuff like that. But it's like, what I've seen is you, you teach almost like in personal training, like you do this 360 degree thing. First you're at the front, maybe guiding, but then you're with people, you're doing some of the poses. Like you have been very integrated into the class as opposed to just maybe teaching from the front. And you know, I mean, very well, like the thing that I feel very resonant with the men of movement retreats is this theme of leading from the middle, being yeah. in it with us. There yeah. is not this pedestooling. Yeah. And I know that's something that you've shared with me in the yoga world. And I'm curious to hear more of your experience with that and how maybe that can put people into their own box. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because you would think that like yogis are like this, like all inclusive, like loving type <laughs> of thing. It's, there's a whole lot of shit in it, you know, um, a lot of big egos and, you know, you have to do it this way and, and a lot of judgment around there. So like, you know, I guess it's almost like old school, like martial arts, you're mm. like, you know, my dojo is better than your dojo kind of thing. And my martial arts better than your martial art. And for me, yoga is life, you know? And so like, each life is unique in its expression and its experience, you know, and the, and the circumstances that go about it and how we um, take that experience and like alchemize it within our body and be able to share that and express it um, is something that is one of a kind, you know? So I was, I've been told a lot that like what I do is not yoga, mm. you know? And it's like, yeah, there's yoga poses in it, but that's not yoga. And for me, like yoga is like, it's a weaving of all the different things you know, it's, it's breath, it's meditation, it's movement, it's shared experience. So to, to say that somebody is doing life wrong in, in a way that is real and authentic to them, to me is like, it's like blasphemy, you know, it's like negating like the very thing that makes us, you know, human or what makes me, me and what makes you, you, you know, so it's really interesting and in, in how the amount of judgment and stuff like that, that comes from the yoga world and in certain styles of it. Um, some people are a lot more <laughs> like, you know, like it has to be like this than others. Okay, bring it back to like the whole like kind of pedestal thing. You know, it's, it's interesting because when you're in a space of like teaching yoga, um, there's a lot of people that like look up to you, you know, and they might think that, you know, you have it all together, you know, and that, you know, because you're, teaching a yoga class that like you know, your life is perfect uh, and it's far from it. And for me, mm. the, um, the ability to take everything that is happening in my life, the conversations that I'm having, the circumstance, the highs, the lows and stuff, and be able to alchemize that and put that into a movement expression through music uh, integrated with a whole bunch of humans that are in their own way, processing their own lives. You know, so like, as I teach, I'm taking everything that's going on in my life and I'm moving that through, um, that, that, you know, class experience. And, um, it's like therapy in many ways. So like, although I'm having a ton amount, a ton of fun doing it, like there's times I'll get like really emotional in there. 
Like, you know, when, when I'm on, like I'll be crying in class, wow. like cueing to the music, to the beat. And it's just something that like, um, it's just this beautiful alchemical process, you know, where I can take all the, <laughs> the shit of my world and all the beauty of my world and all the love in it. And, um, being able to, to have people feel that in, in a way that resonates with them. Um, and they can leave me like, holy shit. I don't even know what the fuck that was, but it was incredible. You know, for me, that's like the most important thing, you know, and just to be human right alongside of everybody else and have it be messy at times, you know, and it still be okay. And just really about like that level of presence more so than perfection, which is a lot of what kind of the judgment in the yoga world I think comes from. Was there a time when maybe that pedestaling did get to you or have you always like been able to recognize that, you know, whether it's a voice or model, like what you, I think one of the beautiful things about how you teach and then how I strive to teach and not only strive just to be myself, like that's all I want to do is just be yeah. myself and you being yourself. And I think we both find it just natural to be vulnerable or the willingness to be vulnerable and show up who we are and stuff like that. And that in and of itself models that but I'm curious, was there a time when like you have been pedestaled and that did get to your head or like, how have you navigated that in the past? Yeah. I mean, and I don't know if it's that the the pedestaling got to my head because I mean, you know, over the last year, like I've had some really, really big highs and some really big lows, you know, I was like, like at the top of my game in some aspects and not at the top of it, but like from a outside looking in, mm. like that I had everything all together. And I was a fucking mess inside, making poor decisions, not trustworthy. And then what I knew to be true, like inside of myself, like minus all that other stuff would still come out, but there was still like this like door that was blocked where like, feel like I wouldn't let people in, you know? And I was like hiding a lot of uh, the dysfunction in my life. I can think anything was like kind of running away from that responsibility of the impact that I know that I can make. And so I think that there's some aspects of like, the dysfunctional self-serving ego that was involved in that. Um, I never wanted to be put on a pedestal. I never wanted to pretend like I was perfect because mm. I was far fucking from it, you know? Um, and my love for people like, and just like that was so big that like that could come out in so many different ways. And it was a beautiful thing and it drew a lot of people in, but then like behind all that, I was still like this um, sad little boy inside that I was like running from, you know? And so shit kind of hit the fan, you know, over the last year and a lot of stuff came out that needed to come out. And it was, um, it was hard because a lot of people that like trusted me and stuff too, or like, damn man, you're like kind of a phony in a way. Mm. And, um, and to me, I was never a phony. I was just dealing with, you know, shit in my life. Like we all are, you know, and just my shit was kind of like thrown out in the public you know, it's like the community that we were in and it was, um, it was like a fall from grace, but like, really, I like to think of it more as like a fall into grace, you know, cause, uh, it gave me an opportunity to really get real about the things that mattered. And so when I see it now, I'm like the impact that I was making when I still had the shit going on in my life where I was not being honest about certain things was still big, but like the impact that I can make now having cleared through a lot of that stuff and being like fully in integrity in all aspects of my life. Um, that to me is really profound and powerful. 
It just makes me feel like, you know, I'm so fucking blessed to be here and have the friends that I have, you know, and see who my real tr- true friends were, you know, and those who held me on that pedestal and, and they saw that things weren't perfect ran, mm. you know, and it was like, I lost a lot of quote unquote friends, but then like the real true friends that, you know, want the best for me and that are going to hold me to a higher standard are there, you know, you know, like you, Tosh, you know, Jason Hoshik, those guys from the men of movement retreat. It's funny because like everything in my life upgraded when I like kind of got knocked off of that pedestal, if you will. And it's just now I'm free, mm. free to express, free to explore, free to create. Something about a true friend will be there for you. Like that is a fact. And we all make mistakes, all of us. And, you know, at any point in life, we're going to have our ups, we're going to have our downs, but really a true friend will be there and, and, you know, call you out on your shit sometimes and, but also be that loving embrace when you need it. Yeah. I think it, the more that we can connect to the humanness of life, yeah. And connect to the the heart of the person in front of us. It's it's an incredible feeling, I think, on both sides. Yeah. To be there for you when you called me, like, was for me, like, in, in not a strange way, but was like a gift. Like, I'm honored yeah. that you had enough trust to confide in me and share your heart. Yeah. Because I got you. Yeah. I got you. And, uh, and vice versa. And like, so for you, it, it, it's, it's a, it's a gift in both directions. Totally. And that also, that's how I want to show up. Not how I want, how I do my best to show up for the real friends in my life. Yeah. And I know not be, I'm not doing this because if the tables were turned, I'm just doing this because this is what feels authentic and right yeah. and in integrity with me. Yeah. And I feel so blessed to have the friends that I do. And you are absolutely a dear friend. And I know we're going to be friends for a long time because the relationship is not built out of like who I think you need to be or who I want you to be. I just love you for you. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Enough. That yeah. is plenty. Yeah. And I think that that's um, one of the things got, that I got really, really clear on with people over the last year was like, I know where I stand mm-hmm. with people. I know where I stand with the people that fled. I know where I stand with my partner, with Tosh. I know where I stand with my kids. I know where I stand with you. You know, and that's one of the things that for me is, is really important. It's kind of like, you know, you know, I'm a big fan of the cold plunge, all that <laughs> kind of stuff. And there's just something beauty about beautiful about like the cold. It's not pretending to be warm. You know, it's just fucking cold. And it always delivers like what you see is what you get. And there's not a whole lot of things in life that are like that. Um, not a whole lot of relationships in life are like that. Um, but the ones that are, are, are so fucking valuable and you got to nurture those. And that's one thing that I, you know, I've been talking with Tosh when me and you first started, you know, chatting and after the first retreat, it was like, you know, you're probably one of the most integrity filled people that I know. And that like, I know that if Mike Slimmy says he's going to do something, he's going to fucking do it. I can count on it. You know, same thing with like, Hoshik, you know, Jason. Oh, good buddies. Just like, I, I know that I can count on those people. Um, and for me, that was like the level up that I needed. Mm. I needed those kind of people around me in my life because in the yoga world where I was at, like I was teaching, I was running these, like these trainings and stuff too. So there's a lot of people that were like looking up to me, you know, for certain things, but I didn't really have, that's part of like the wanting to do things my own way where I kind of secluded myself 
away from having like really good mentors. You know, like obviously, yeah, I've been studying under Paul Check for a long time, but I'm not like, there's not like close relationships that I have with people that I really like looked up to, you know, that I really felt that I could learn from. And that's the kind of like this, the selfishness side of things for me. So like, it's like a gift and a curse. It's like in one aspect, I'm able to create something like only that I can create because I don't have this same level of influence outside pushing me to do it this way or that way. Um, but then I also didn't have like people that I could really have those real hard, honest conversations with that could see through my bullshit that like, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't weasel my way out of it. I kind of bullshit my way out of it. I didn't want to, you know, I was longing for that connection, you know, with like brothers and stuff that were, was real and honest, you know? And so like, I know me and you had just kind of start, like started talking. We had just done like the whole, um, you know, men's retreat. And, you know, for me, it was like, I had to swallow my pride and give you that call. And like, I know you committed to coming to training. I'm like, Hey, listen, this has been going on in my personal life, going through some shit. And, um, it was an opportunity for me to really step into trust mm. and to be honest about what's going on, put like my whole heart on the table and see what comes. And ever since that, like the relationships that I have with the people that I have them with, I've just, you know, on a level that I've never had before. So it's great. I love that, bro. Yeah, for And sure. I'm grateful. I'm grateful that you felt safe enough to yeah. share that. Right. And I think in any relationship in any uh, ceremony or let's just pick, you know, the yoga room or the yoga, whatever you call it, studio for someone to have a breakthrough or for someone to truly be honest with themselves, for someone to heal, for someone to show and express vulnerability, the fundamental thing that underlies it all in my eyes, and I'm speaking from my own life is safety and trust. If there is not safety and trust, someone, it's going to be very hard for someone to go there in that yeah. level. And so I think the more that we can invite that in, but also again, with, I don't want to say with the right people, but like using discernment, you mm -hmm. know, like I think discernment is an absolutely critical quality, but like, again, going back to just the gratitude that I have for you feeling safe enough. Like that's again, going back to the types of relationships, type of people I want in my life. And I'm curious, you know, going back to the out of the box thing that you were talking about, out of the box thinking the way you lead, you know, the yoga room, like I really relate to that, especially like with kettlebell lifestyle. Yeah. Like I forced myself to not use any training tool other than one kettlebell for nine months, not study anything because I needed to create my own original take on this. Yeah. But also there's like you saying, there's benefits and there's also some negatives to that. Like, yeah. so someone who wants to create, whether it's a more intuitive, creative movement practice and show up more than anything, show up more as themselves in it. What's some of the things that comes up for you? Really? That's what OmniFlow Life Alchemy is all about, mm. you know? So like that, um, and I don't really like to call it a teacher training program. Cause again, it's like you do a training and then you're certified to teach a certain way. You know, for me, I look at it as like, um, it's like the incubator of dreams, you know? So like, if you were to take <laughs> away like all of your self-limiting belief structures on what you think it should look like, or you're told it should be like, or how you should set up like a sequence or something in the, in the form of yoga. And you were just to, still have discernment around like making sure that the, the movement principles in the body, a proper warm up, a proper care of like, you know, posture and, you know, you know, safety, all those things are like understood. So we have like the foundations of human movement, right? 
but then we, we get all that stuff in there and then you're given like, you're inspired to create like only you can, right? Like, Hey, I don't want you to teach like me. Like there, you can't, like, I can't be Mike mm. Salemi. And that's the thing is like, so when I think about like my, my job as a profession and what I do from like a movement standpoint, like in the yoga room, right? Like I'm the, I'm the absolute best at what I do. Cause what I do is I, I live my life. I live my life and I express it through movement and music in the yoga room, you know? So that expression, like you can't, you can't compete against that. You can't do that better than me because it's, it's just me, you know, and it's not better than anybody else, you know? And so that whole, that whole program is really designed to like, if you were to set down all the bullshit that you think of in your life, like all the self-limiting belief stuff, and you were just to run with what feels perfect for you in that moment, still having that clear understanding of like what, you know, is safe and not, you know, what does that look like? You know, and it's been cool because in the beginning, I talk about like the, the judgment in the yoga world. I was told so much that like, you can't do it that way. You have to give people a specific sequence. They're not going to be able to, to teach without it. You have mm. to give them the foundation. I was just like, that doesn't really sound empowering <laughs> to a human being that can create anything. You know, I feel like a soul conscious human being like that is inspired, has no limits to what it is that they're going to be able to create. So to put somebody in a box and say like, no, you have to give them a specific sequence and tell them how to do it in what order in order for it to work is complete and utter bullshit. So there's like that one set of me was like, watch, I'm going to fucking show you, you know, <laughs> I'm going to show you right now, like how that's not the case. And I remember in the first train that I did and, you know, we went through the foundations of human movement, all that proper warm up, like mobilization stuff, everything too. But then watching each person teach a unique class that like only they could do. Like I was in fucking tears, like every time wow. just full on tears. I'm like, I knew it would work, you know? And those people are, there just, they're creating like, like only they can, you know? And so I think that that's something that's just so needed in the world where there's like so many replicas and there's so much like, it has to be done like this. It has to be done like that. It's like, no, like it has to make sense for you. You know, and if it makes sense for you, and it's real and it's authentic, then people are going to, they're going to feel it. And, you know, and those are the things that are going to be memorable. Like the classes that like, you know, if I were to teach the same sequence of everybody else, like, and it's just like, we can kind of ghost out and think about our grocery list while we're going through movement. That's not like going to be a memorable type of class, but it's something that can really engage people in feeling something deeper. And they might come into the yoga room looking for a workout. But when they really feel somebody's soul, like being expressed through that experience, like it's undeniable, you know, those are the things that people are going to remember. It's not like, Hey, I'm going to do this exact same thing that everybody else does. Like that's forgettable. Mm. And for me, I don't know. Like, I just want to see people like shine, like only they can. And so when I developed that program, that was the, the foundation of that. It's like, what do you need to get clear on? What do you need to let go of? you know, so that way you can really fully express yourself through this yoga experience, whatever it looks like. When people are uh, like maybe feeling or sensing some internal resistance or struggle to tapping into that, what have you seen belief-wise or what have you seen to be some of the resistances or the struggles in, in really tapping into that um, in the teacher trainings or just in people? I think that the biggest resistance is getting stuck in like the stories. Mm. You know, so it's like, we're like these creatures that 
something happens and then we attach all sorts of meaning to it, mm. you know? And so whatever circumstance goes through, whatever, you know, experience childhood trauma, if you will, you know, like we get stuck in the story of like, like that's like starting to govern everything that we're doing. It's almost getting in like into this victim mentality or like to the point where we can't like move through it. So um, it's almost like, like watching or reading like the, the worst part of the movie or the, the book that you're on, like over and over and over again. Mm. Right. And like, that's governing, you know, like everything that you're doing in your life, you know? So to the degree that we're stuck in that, like the past or like that victim cycle or whatever, um, it doesn't lead to the ability to be creative. You know, it's like, we're stuck in the past. Right. Or we're just not able to see that present moment for the magic that it is you know, and our ability to move through it. So I have like this, it's interesting because especially like in the yoga world now too, there's so much of this like trauma informed yoga and all this other stuff. And like the need to heal, the need to heal, the need to heal. Everything is centered around healing. And it's like, it's kind of like, if I think about it this way, like if everybody's special, then nobody is right. And if everybody has trauma, then like nobody is, it's just like a part of life. Right. So to the degree that we are stuck on these things that have happened to us and like needing to like fix them, you know? And like, that's just like what's governing everything. It's like this constant need to repair, you know, or like this, you know, I think we talked to you about like the whole movement medicine thing, mm. you know, like, and, and I think that medicine is important, but like also we look at like what society is, you know, structured in is so much around like sickness and disease and dysfunction and trying to like fix all this stuff that is wrong like there's nothing wrong. Like mm. it's all, it's all beautiful. So if we can move away from this need to heal or this idea around like all these traumatic things that have like happened in our life. And that's like governing things. And we, we remove, like we get, we don't get to see the magic in it. You know, we don't get to see like the, the blessing in all of it because it's in this like proverbial wound, you know, that is governing our, our behavior or our lack of action. Right. It's like, we're stuck in there. And as long as we're stuck in there, we're not going to be able to create freely. Mm. You know? So I like to try to, yes, that like things happen that are like rough in life, you know, but one of the things about the training that we see and we do that in that group setting is that um, it's not, although it may be unique to some degree, it's really not like we all got our shit. We've all been through bad things. You know, we've all been through things that are maybe considered trauma, right? So but what is the, what's the difference between someone that can really create freely and somebody that can't, you know, and a lot of times it's because they're stuck in that, you know, that trauma like space or that victim mentality. And as long as I'm in that space of, I can't do this because this happened to me, mm. you know, and I'm like unresolved in that, um, it doesn't lead to like creativity. Yeah. I think it's getting clear that there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing that's holding you back other than yourself. Mm. And when you start to experience and see that people have gone through things similar, maybe even far worse than you have, and they're still able to like, you know, thrive in life. It's something that's really beautiful to see. Like, and when you, when you see somebody like get through that or like in training, when like there's resistance, there's resistance, there's resistance. And there's this story that keeps coming up as to why they can't do it. Um, to me, I just call it what it is, just mental fuckery, 
you know? So when we can remove the fuckery, realize that there's nothing wrong with us, that everybody goes through shit and honor that, accept it for the blessing that it is. And then, and now what? Mm. Like, so now that we've seen that, like everything happens to everybody, you know, like abuse isn't uncommon. Trauma isn't uncommon. Like it's human. So we can set it, set it down, even change the words that we use around that kind of stuff. You know, it's like, instead of it being like a trauma or like something like that, that happened to me, like it's a blessing. Like that's, that's what gives credibility. You know, it's like my life and all the things that have happened in it. It's like, that is, you know, that's what qualifies me. Mm. You know, so having all of that as like the catalyst for something amazing is I feel like so pivotal in being able to express and create. Man, I think there's a lot of valuable things that you shared. Like when I think about some of the best musicians in the world, you name it, jazz musicians or rock musicians, it's like a lot of them have had very challenging lives and they found a way to express it in their own way. And I think as it relates to, uh, that piece uh, on trauma, I think there's like a, I don't know if it's a fine line, but one of the things I'm hearing you say, it's like, well, one misery likes company. Yeah. And so it like, we need to be discerning when like we are, we are exploring these things for the thing, for the sake of moving past it. But when it's a reoccurring loop and we find out that our circle is literally just this reoccurring misery yeah. loves company, or oftentimes the analogy is, it's like when someone, let's say the victim mentality, when someone is sinking in the water, you cannot lower yourself to their level. You yeah. need to pull them out from the above. And so I think what I'm hearing you say, it's like, we have to be mindful of yes, you know, exploring what's happened to us, but for the sake of moving through it yeah. for the sake of, of what are we going to create now with it? Cause otherwise we're still going to be stuck in that old story and that old pattern. And, and that's, I think one of the reasons why I enjoyed so much your teacher training was because I think like the first entire week almost was all story work. Mm-hmm. was all clearing up a lot or a, a vast majority of it was clearing yeah. up that stuff and getting honest with ourselves. Okay. What now? And, and, and identifying that victim mentality. And I, I don't know other teacher trainings or other things, but I don't think that a lot of them go into that, you know, and what have you seen? Yeah. Go yeah. For. I think it's, um, foundations first, right. Mm-hmm. You know, so that was a big part of it. And I feel like it's kind of, that training has kind of shifted the culture, especially around our areas, around like the um, way that things are done now. Because if you're not taking care of yourself, like if you're not, I mean, so much of that, for, we don't even do any teaching in that whole first nine days, hardly. Diet and lifestyle <laughs> story work, yeah. that's a lot, big part of it. Yeah, for sure. It's like, okay, what is the things that are like holding me back from being able to access that creativity, right? So same thing as like, what's stopping me, my ability to discern whether something is good for me or not, mm. right? If I'm eating shit, you know, filled chemical laden foods that are like, you know, bogging down my nervous system, shutting my hormones down and everything. I'm not going to be able to create something incredible. I'm in that fight or flight response. I don't even fucking know why, you know, like my discernment, you know, muscle is not even remotely turned on, you know, and I'm just like operating again, like out of that fear, like, oh shit, what am I supposed to do? Kind of standpoint. I think Paul check talks about that. It's like, you know, when you're being chased by a lion, you don't stop to do cartwheels. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and I feel like that's so like, think that's so right on. So it's like, you know, because I've, 
you know, I don't know if I'm, like I'm not perfect by any means even when it comes to nutrition, all that stuff, but like my foundations and my standards on that have been pretty solid for, for many years. When I first uh, listened to you are what you eat by Paul check things uh, shifted for me a lot, you know? And so having so much like years, I mean, it's been like almost, you know, it's been like 15, 16 years since uh, maybe 17 years since I got turned on to that kind of stuff. So like my foundations in that are pretty solid. Um, and a lot of people don't have that, you know, so that first nine days is really about like, how do you hydrate properly? You know, like what is like, you know, metabolic typing, things like that. So how do we like get the foundation set to the point where we're actually able to feel and, um, be aware of our surroundings and be able to like read a room and be able to feel the energy going on in there and understand that like if I have a specific sequence that I feel like I'm supposed to teach or that I've created ahead of time and then I come into the room and there's a whole group of people that I had no idea was going to be there when I created that sequence that might not make sense in any way shape or form you know so for me like I have to be able to to see what's actually happening in that moment and then be able to move from that space you know, so it's the same kind of thing like being stuck in a story or stuck in a victim mentality or something like that, or stuck on an idea around yoga should look this way and it should be sequenced this way. If I have that going into it, it's not going to be unique to that present moment because when that was created, these pe people didn't come together, you know? And so it has to, for me, it has to be like that unique, you know, in the moment type of process. Um, but I'm not able to do that if I'm not taking care of myself, you know? And there's like, so the foundation pieces of that are crucial to be able to free yourself up to kind of honor what really needs to be uh, expressed in those moments. Mm, I'm in full agreement with that. The holidays are here. And as a thank you for subscribing and listening to the Path Podcast, I'm going to be giving away $200 off on my Kettlebell Lifestyle program. All you got to use is code HOLIDAY40 when you check out, and this will be valid until December 1st. Now, if you're not yet familiar with my program, Kettlebell Lifestyle, this is my nine-week follow-along kettlebell movement program for both beginners and intermediate lifters. Now, this program is so much more than just kettlebell workouts and kettlebell instructions. Yes, it does have that component as an essential part of the program, but really when I created this program, the intention behind it was to teach people a healthy training blueprint that they can use for the rest of their life. Whether you're training with kettlebells or training with any other implement, this is a principle-based program that is broken up into phases. It is very methodical. And let me just tell you, in my honest experience with it, I've done it multiple times and I've coached hundreds of lifters on it. This is the closest thing that you'll get to working with me one-on-one. -on -one, and it is for someone who really wants a holistic approach to their training, to how they care for themselves. I mean, there are things like morning routines, there is breath work, there is personalized stretching programs. Uh, again, there's a beginner and an intermediate level track. There are tutorials on everything. You got warmups, you got corrective stretch tutorials. It's got so much stuff and it was a blast to create. But more than anything, what makes it so enjoyable is when you do it. When I see the results that people get off this program, it fills me up inside. And so I wanted to extend it right here, right now, and give you a little bit of details on it. All you got to do is go to www.kettlebellifestyle.com for more information. One of the hallmarks of like a great coach is meeting someone where they're at 
right? Like we could be the best coaches in the world, know every exercise, progression, regression, all that sort of stuff. But until we have that person in front of us, it could be the perfect program, but for the wrong person. And I think just that, if people just, just took away that from this, if we can tune in one, take care of ourselves so we can be a cleaner vessel to pick up intuitively what's going on in the person in front of us, or what are they saying or what are they saying without saying things? Oh. You know, I think it's, it's, it's beautiful where we can go. I'm curious in some of the students that you've had, cause now you've been doing this life alchemy program for what over a it's year, two like years? a year and a half. So I ran three full programs, three 200 hour programs. So what have you seen in the people who have gone through it and what they're able to, whether it's create in the yoga space or just simply create in their life now, actually having gone through it and had some time to integrate it in their life? I mean, yeah, I don't even know where to start. (laughs) I feel like in the people that I continue to talk to with that, there's a certain level of freedom that they experience now in their life, which to me is the, the, the greatest gift, you know? Um, I think I, I think I told you that story around like kind of one of the big part of the reasons why I love to do what I do. There was that time where I was, uh, uh, riding roller coasters with, um, <laughs> a girlfriend at the time and a friend. And, um, there was this guy that was there with his son and, um, you can tell like he had like, uh, like a Marine shirt. He'd been like been to war. You could see he was like a, a kind of a hardened dude, like seen death and stuff. And we were getting ready to go on this, um, Lex Luthor right at, uh, magic mountain that just takes you to the top and drops you. And this guy was scared out of his fucking mind, mm. you know, and I'm just sitting there and I'm sitting there like watching and looking at this guy and seeing like the, like the tension and like the, 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 he means is fear, you know, and didn't want to go on that ride. You know, his son was like pushing him to go. And I was just kind of taking it all in and watching him as we like went up this, this deal and he was just like white knuckling it on the thing. and. um I was just was like really tuned into like the feelings that this guy was having. I was just like, I was just watching him just staring right at him and we get up to the top and he's still like, he's just like, Oh shit. Oh shit. Oh shit. He's just like scared out of his fucking mind. And then as soon as it dropped, like I look at his face and you see like every like inch that we went down, like it went from this total fear space to this completely elated, like woohoo. Like <laughs> this is fucking incredible. Like it was like, you know, and he like comes down, it was like pure bliss in his face. Like where all of like the shit that he'd ever gone through was gone, you know? And it was just pure bliss. And like, like this freedom that it seemed like this guy had maybe not experienced in a really long time, having seen like death and stuff, you know? And, uh, and he gets down, he's like shaking his son. He's like, yeah, it's just screaming and yelling. And it was just like this sense of, um, like this weight lifted off of, of his shoulders, you know? And I feel like a lot of people that, I've gone through that program. Like they set down so many of the things that were limiting them in their life, you know, like all those self-limiting belief structures, all the fuckery, you know, they're able to like bring awareness to it and, and move forward, you know, write a new chapter versus that same, you know, telling that same story that they were been stuck in for the last decade or 20 years or whatever, you know? And so it's just, yeah, the freedom that people feel in that, and then the freedom that they have in their, in their teaching. Like one of my favorite things is to have people that have been 20 year yoga instructors, you know, mm. like the, like the hardcore, like OG <laughs> that like have to be a certain way. Cause um, they'll come in and especially if they've taken my class for the first time, it's like, it's eye opening for them. Like, holy shit. Like you can do anything. Like you can express any way. Like, I don't even know what that looks like for me. 
you know? So being able to take someone like that, that has had like all that rigidity and like the, the structure and the trainings and everything else that it has to be done like this, um, to knock those walls off. Um, it's amazing how much more passion they find in teaching again. Like where I mentioned before, when I came out of training, I felt like I was in a box, you know, and, um, it's just like, it's heavy, you know? And for me, I don't, I don't get burnt out on teaching at all anymore. Mm. Like I'm, dude, I'm going to be teaching like 14 classes a week again right now. <laughs> but it's for me, like it's, that's how I like cultivate energy. You wow. know, it's my, my creative expression. So if I can help somebody or inspire somebody um, for them to do that and bring the love of teaching back, you know, to where it enlivens them, they're invigorated coming out of class. Like I don't ever want to come out of teaching a yoga class and be like, oh my gosh, I'm fucking drained. I want to come out of that class and be like, I'm so fucking pumped on life right now, you know? And seeing that in people is, um, it's one of the byproducts of that, that training, which has been really, really cool. So like, I want it to be the best class ever for everybody. Like if you're teaching, like if I'm teaching a yoga class, like that's my job. Like, dude, this is the best fucking class ever. I tell it to Tasha every time, like every time I come out, she's like, how was class? What's the best fucking class ever? It's just like, why? Because it was, it was, there's something about it. It's like, it's a complete cycle. Like it's each class is it's like a whole life cycle, just like a human, you know, life. So I look at each class as like, you know, that same kind of thing. It's like a beginning. It's like a birth. It's like experience life happening and it's a death. And like at the end of it, it's, it's done. It's all buttoned up. Can't go back in there. Can't change it. I could sit there and be like, Oh, I missed the right side or left side. But like life isn't like that. Life isn't mm -hmm. linear like that. You know, like you don't know what, what's going to get thrown at you in life. And for me, like yoga mimics life. So it's okay for it to not be perfect. It's okay for it not to look the same on one side versus the other side. You know, those were like type A, like structure people are like, oh, fuck, you missed that side. I'm like, well, go home and do it. You know, <laughs> like for me, like I didn't miss that side, you know, like I did it on purpose. <laughs> like everything is on purpose and, and there's a freedom in that. And for some people initially, they there's resistance to that, mm. you know, there's resistance to being free. You know, I found that in my own life. Like, like I was scared of what free really felt like, you know, like this lack of control, you know? And, um, but when you kind of get past that and you can kind of set down like that, it has to look this way, man, it just feels so fucking good. You know? And so I see, especially people that have been like teaching for a long time, work through that and kind of break with their, those old habits of it, um, having to be perfect, you know, and then the new people that come in, it's like they're unbound from the beginning, you know? Mm. So it's just like, Hey, like what the fuck do you want to do? Like, what does your yoga class look like? You know, like, what is your, yeah, whatever you need to fucking teach. I don't care what kind of style or what kind of, you know, we're working with the breath, we're moving the body, we're creating an experience with people like that is yoga. You know, and so for me, I want that to be like only that person can do it. And for me, I think it's just so cool to see that, like that freedom that like coming down from the roller coaster and like everything is just good. And like, I'm just so pumped on, you know, life period. Well, I think that trusting that, that feeling is probably one of the most accurate things that we can do if we actually are moving forward in our life. Yeah. Like, how does it feel? afterwards yeah. in your body and getting out of our head and 
you know, let me just say this, you know, cause I've gone through the majority of your training. Uh, you actually, one of the things I appreciated most about it was like going back to like, we're talking right now so much about the creativeness, making it your own. And you kind of touched on like the safety piece, but like we didn't, you know, a solid amount of time on corrective exercise and mobilizations. And like, there was so many things that it was like, you set up an incredibly holistic system to give people those tools, you know, to give them a little bit of structure, you know, but so that they can go structureless. And one of the things that was, was cool. And I'm hearing you say as well is, uh, and I love, I'd love to hear your, your experience around this is what it really showed me because I'm someone who loves structure. Like Mm -hmm. that's just, so much of like, I love structure, love knowing the nitty gritty. And also I love at a certain point, I know that my, my growth is to go structureless in different areas of my mm-hmm. life. So I've kind of described your, your teacher training as uh, you know, the school of creativity, mm-hmm. because even though it was a yoga training or whatever we want to call it, life alchemy, like it's improved my entire movement practice. And what it's felt like to me is it's connected me more to my childlike nature. And so now like I'm bringing more uh, curiosity, more play, more like that child. And I know you've you've said this many times to me, like your best friend is P, is Penelope. So I'm curious, like uh, how has maybe she or how has tapping into that childlike nature also been uh, medicine for you, fuel for you in, in, in your movement practice? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, you mean you watch babies move <laughs> from the time that they like start, you know, and it was, so I have Maddie who's 17. Um, my first daughter, Sienna, who's almost 15. Um, and then I have two step, I don't even like to call them step kids. I, you know, Tasha's kids, my kids also, uh, yeah. Ami and Lou are 12 and nine. And then there's Penelope who's two and a half now. And when she came out, it was, I mean, I caught her. So it was like something super special with mm-hmm. that. Um, and it started with watching her breathe, you know, just watching her. It was almost as if she was training her lungs. So like in some aspects, she would be like breathing really fast. There'd be like breath holds in there. There'd be like slow and steady. And it feel like she was just navigating what her breath was capable of doing. Right. So like there was this freedom in exploring just breath in a baby and watching that. And then going from there to like just rolling around and like reaching and and things like that too. So there's just this whole like exploration of like becoming acquainted with your body in space, Mm. you know? And so that's so much of what um, the style that I teach is is about that. Like, what does it feel like when you just wiggle your fingers and then like integrate that into the wrist and then integrate that into the elbows um, where yoga is for me was very like linear do it on the right side, do it on the left side, a lot of front to back. Like it was very like, in a like rigid in a way. And I feel like the human body doesn't like to do that. You know I mean? They're like, it likes, we like to fucking play. You know, the spine likes to move. It likes to get juicy joints. Like want to like articulate Mm. in all the different ways that they do, you know? I'm not saying that there's like in traditional forms of yoga, they don't like eventually get into some of that kind of stuff, but there's a lot of rigidity into it that kind of leads to injury and stuff too. So for me, it was like the, the mobilization stuff, the, the playing like a kid, like what is it like, if you're in the womb right now, like, what would that feel like? What would that look, how would that express itself? You know, laying on your mat, you're in the womb. What do you do? Like, what is your environment? Play with that, you know? And then you find that like, there's all like the human joints and everything are moving in, in all the different ways that they're going to move. 
And then it's like a progression from that. Like, okay, and now we get into like kneeling or crawling or rolling over, you know, and then there's just a steady progression that, that goes with it. That is, is unbound and very, very free. And then from there, they, then it becomes very intuitive, right? So as we start to um, be able to isolate some movement or like bring awareness to like certain joints or certain muscles and stuff. Okay. And then now we start to integrate that into the bigger movement. So if I'm turning my arm all the way in and all the way out, I can only go so far if I'm just moving my arm, mm. you know, but now if I want to like take that further, like what else has to give, okay, my shoulder has to move you know, my hips have to move, my spine has to move. And so there's this like cool, like integration piece that happens with it. And then from there, like now, like express that even bigger. You know, like now, if you want to keep that going, like where can it go now? And then it becomes like this very intuitive kind of thing. So then it becomes like, that's where like the flow or the dance kind of comes into play, you know? So if I'm going to take something high into the left, like as far as it can go, like, okay, let's bring it down into the right and let's open it back up the other direction. So just by like changing direction, stuff like that, it opens up a whole new, um, like, I don't know, there's a million different things that you can go through from there. Right. So rather than having it be like real structured, you got to do the right side, left side, it's like, let this go wherever it's going to go. And then eventually it'll come back around <laughs> and you might hit that other side, but there's this freedom of, of play and expression in that that is childlike. I don't know if you've shared this yet, or maybe you've touched on it earlier, but when you're talking about, cause I'm, I'm going through it in my head, uh, cause I've done this with you in the class, mm-hmm. but you all, you, you integrate and, uh, what's the word I want to say, like choreograph or mm-hmm. with music, yeah. you link it with music. So when you're hitting these tops of positions, it's like at, can you share, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. That's, I feel like that's just part of being in the flow of mm-hmm. things. Right. So when you're in a class experience and you're just creating on the fly. And like, for me, like I, I cue to music. Mm. So for me, it's almost like my style is like, I almost like freestyle rapping, like <laughs> but yoga cues, you it know, is. it's like whatever the beat is going to, like, that's how we're going to cue this movement, you know? <laughs> and it just, and it flows like that. So there's also um, a level of like, I mean, if you've ever been to like a big festival or like a music show or something like that, where like the beat drops and everybody like hits on the beat Mm. and there's this, you know, there's this euphoria that kind of takes place in that. And then like when you're dancing and feeling that, like it, 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 it flows with the music. So there's, I could never choreograph and plan something to the point where it's like, okay, I want to go through this sequence. And then when this song starts to taper off, we all come to standing. (laughs) you know, and like, think of that ahead of time. But like, there's so many times in class where like, as the ebb and flow of the music goes, then there's a crescendo that kind of builds up. And then it like, boom, comes to a peace point where like both sides are complete. Everybody's just standing at attention right when the music stops. And then like the beat kicks on boom. And then we just flow it right back out. So the ability to like feel into that, into the moment is what creates that memorable experience. They're like, holy shit, I could not have planned that any way, shape or form, like regardless of how meticulous is okay. Like this is minute three into this song. That would be me. That would be, <laughs> that would be me. Going <laughs> yeah. Right. But it's like, it would, it would never quite work the same, you know, cause it's, it's gotta be like in there, like right then and there, you know? And so, yeah, there's, um, that's just part of being in the flow, you know, and just everything that's like, you know, for instance, it brings me back to the story where I was in Puerto Rico with my buddy, Bobby. <laughs> 
And we had just had an epic trip, like 12 days in Puerto Rico. We we're having a big barbecue and we wanted to go pick up our, our friend, homegirl, Helen, and <laughs> to go have this little barbecue. So we drove to the other side of the island to pick her up and came back. And as we're like kind of coming up through this, um, like this little mountain, when we peek out to where like the sun is setting and it's just like the most epic sunset that we've seen there. And like, don't let the sun go down on me, but Elton John like comes on the radio right there. It's like, I couldn't fucking plan that. You know what I mean? Like I couldn't have made that happen. Like just all of a sudden, perfect timing around this corner, a beautiful sunset, that song coming on. It's just where you know that like everything is for a reason, you know, mm. and everything that has ever happened to get you to that point is completely on fucking purpose, regardless of you like we're aware of it or not. But then we get to that point where we see like the infinite game, like all just rolling itself out beautifully, you know? And it's just like, you, you couldn't plan that you, you, no matter how much you tried. And when you it wouldn't, if you did, it wouldn't feel the same. Right. And so for me, that's like the, the magic of being in the moment. Um, and that's one of the things that like kids brings, you know, the kids, all they want really is they want you to be in the moment with them. Mm. You know, they just want you to play with them, just get on the ground with them, you know, talk to them, sit with them, you know, just be in it. And then that's when like all that magic happens, you know? So yeah, it's such a cool thing. Mm -hmm. I love that, man. And I love seeing you play with Penelope and like and she, she just did a post with uh spirit animal cards and she's calling out the animals. Yeah. And it's really, it's very sweet for me to see. And obviously it's, it's hitting so much more because we're going to have our first baby yeah. soon. And it's, uh, it's very inspiring to see you interact with Penelope. And when you've, you've shared many times, she's your best friend. And like, I've seen you guys interact and I've been around you and, and had my own experience of the feelings. I'm like, wow, like Luca could be my best friend, you know? And like, holy shit, how cool is that? And yeah. so it's been really sweet to observe you guys. Yeah, I mean, she, she blew my heart chakra wide open, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, some of the most... Even when I was going through my shit and she was like a baby, like most honest conversations that I had with myself was really just like having with P when you, before she could even talk, you know? And it's just like, it's like having a conversation in the mirror. It's like, you can even, you could lie to yourself in the mirror, but you really can't, mm -hmm. you know, like it's, there's no hiding it. Like, you know, deep down and like, especially when you bring like a baby into the world and everything's just pure and the veil is just like open or so thin, but like, <laughs> You, you can't get around it. You know, it's just raw. It's human. It's beautiful. Incredible. Yeah. Well, brother, I'm very curious, man. Uh, I know you got a lot of exciting things going on right now. And like you were saying earlier, like you're really stepping up and it's, it's incredible to witness on every aspect from your company, Wild Feather Medicinals, to the Life Alchemy, to your relationships. So before we close off, would love to hear if there's any final words, anything coming up that you'd love to leave people with, but also um, what are you most excited for right now moving forward? What I'm most excited for just each moment. There's a lot of times in my life where like, I haven't wanted to be here, you know, I've escaped and ran into things that were not serving that were really destructive in my life. And, um, just of, I'm just blessed every day to just have this breath right here, right now to have people around me that I love, that love me. You know, it's, um, learning to, to be okay with people not liking you, 
you know, when you have so many people that love you, you know, I think it's just such a cool thing. And so I'm honored and blessed for, for every moment that I have above, above ground, the people that I have in it. And if I was going to leave people with anything is just, and if you think about like your, your track record and being able to persevere through all the things that you've gone through, it's a hundred percent at this point. If you're alive right now, you got breath in your lungs, feet are on the ground, like you've made it, you made it this far. And the fact that you are, the fact that you have a fucking soul in your body, like what other proof do you need? Like what, what else is there? You know, that, sh- that right there alone does it for me, you know? And if you can get to that space, to realize that like from this moment, you can do anything that you want. That you're unbound from, from all the circumstance, all this shit, you know, you've made it this far and you're on purpose. Trust it. Thank you, brother. Yeah, fuck yeah. Fucking love you, man. Love you too, bro. <sighs> yeah. And play. <laughs> and play. No, I'm a jokester. Have fun. <laughs> I think that's uh, that's another thing. Just play, be silly, childlike wonder, right? That we're told that a lot. Like, you can be anything that you want, you know. Mm-hmm. Like infinite potential running through you. Um, so embody that. I'm trying to do that every day, so that way I can, you know, show that to my kids. <laughs> Not just say it, but like, do it. Just live it. Yep. Hundred percent. This has been so much fun, man. Oh, thanks. I appreciate it, dude. Thank you again <laughs> so much for everything you shared. We'll definitely put in the show notes where people can find you. But if you can uh, toss out your Instagram or any other area where people want to kind of maybe seek you out or learn a yeah. little bit more, what you got going? Yeah, Instagram is og human underscore one Very fitting. <laughs> yeah. It's original human, man. Just uh, straight from, straight from God, you know, <laughs> version one, the original, yeah. OG human 1.0. Um, sacred self love us is our apothecary line while for the medicinals. So that was, uh, um, just the idea that Tosh is birthed out and we have an amazing line of products in there, like mushroom powders and, um, yeah, we're doing for local stuff and a lot of bone broth and stuff nowadays and yeah, just, you know, good teas and everything. So yeah, sacred self love to us. I'm your OG human. Hell yeah, brother. Yep. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate you too, brother. Love you. Love you, man. Love <laughs> cool. you. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow the podcast on Apple and leave a review. It means a lot. We all have a path and I'd love to hear how this podcast has inspired you in some way to live yours. 